0: Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, what do we do now? I didn't know how appropriate that question was going to be or that title was going to be until today. Amen. What do we do now? Allow, allow me just for a moment while we're still receiving tithes and offerings. Come on, somebody. Give God praise in the house. Amen. Yeah, go ahead. Just take a moment. Give Him praise. That's okay. Yeah. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I ain't never seen it like this before. <laughs> Some of y'all refuse to talk like this old country hiccup here. It's okay. It's okay. I wanna preface this message today with, with a couple of statements in love. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all in love. Your attitude or approach to this word will determine how you receive this word. I'm not saying you got a bad attitude this morning. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying your attitude or your approach, how you approach this word, will determine how you receive this word, okay? So number one, your attitude or approach. Number two, I want you to understand something today. This is not just simply just a regurgitated message from Ruach. I need to make that clear today. Because (laughs) I told, I told Cassie, I said, there's probably going to be a couple of different groups in the, in the house Sunday. I said, there's going to be that, that group that went with us to the conference and they're going to be either desiring like, pastor, you need to preach this or expecting me to preach something that I heard this week, which is, you know, okay. And then there's gonna be that group that knows we went to the conference and they're gonna say, it don't matter what I preach, really, they're just gonna say, well, he heard that at Ruach. You know? And then there might be a third group of people in here like, what is Ruach? You know? <laughs> What's that? That's another message for another day, amen. But I want you to know I've got a word from the Lord today. I want you to know God's downloaded a fresh message. Now listen, I've been poured into all week long, so what I've been poured into, or what's been poured into me, I'm not going to say it, it might not come out at moments in time, okay? So just be ready, be prepared. But I feel like I have a word from the Lord for this church, for you. Look at your neighbor and say, for you. Look at your second choice and say, for you. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to the book of 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 12. I want to look at one verse of Scripture today. I want to look at verse 32. Verse 32 is our main text, and if you have it, if you will, stand for the reading of God's Word. If you got it, say, I got it. It's up on the screen. It says this. Of the sons... Of Issachar. I want you to understand something about Issachar. I didn't even have this in my notes, but it's just in me. (laughs) Issachar was a son of Jacob and Leah. And I don't know how many of y'all know that story, but God can take whatever situation that didn't turn out what like what you expected it to turn out When you're giving something completely different than what you expected to receive in the first place God can take the fruit of that and turn it around for his good God can bless it God can take what the enemy and all the unexpected things in life God can take it and he can turn it around of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. We gotta know what we ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and their brethren were at their command. Today I wanna share with you a a message titled, what do we do now? Subtitled this, Understanding the Times. Will you pray with me? God, I come before you right now and I praise you for who you are. I thank you God for this opportunity to preach your word today, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, God, that you would anoint the ears and the hearts of this congregation, God. I pray, Lord, that the word that's being preached this morning, God, let us not just be hearers of your word, but God, let us be doers of your word. God, I pray, Lord, let this word that's being scattered, the seed that's being scattered, let it fall on fertile soil and that it would produce everlasting spiritual fruit. Father, I pray your anointing upon my lips as well. God, let everything I say, I want it to be ordained by you for the edification of this body. Lord, let it not tear down, but let it build up. Let it encourage, let it uplift, God. Let it minister to each and every individual need in this house today. And God, my prayer every Sunday, is God, not a single one of us would leave here the same way we walked in. And I'll be quick to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for everything that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, what do we do now? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. In our text, Chronicles is really a history book documenting specific events that has taken place in the nation of Israel And in the context of the text that we're reading today, how many of y'all know every text has a context? Come on, somebody. you got to understand the context of the text. In this text, there are different groups of soldiers who are coming from various lands to join with David. David has been anointed king of Israel. But how many of y'all know David was anointed king of Israel 10 years before he actually became king of Israel? So you have these different people groups, you have different groups of warriors, different armies, uh, men and warriors coming together to different groups of warriors, all had different skills and weaponry, but they all came with the same purpose. In verse 38 in the same chapter, it says that they came to Hebron fully determined to make David king over Israel. I wonder if I'm looking at a congregation today that is fully determined. I'm wondering that as I stare out and gaze out upon the different faces of Forward Church this morning, I'm wondering if I'm looking at a congregation that is fully determined to accomplish the will of God in the land. I'm wondering if I'm looking at a congregation that is fully determined, no matter what obstacle lies in front of us, no matter what turmoil, no matter what chaos breaks out, no matter what schemes and the darks that the enemy casts your way, I'm I'm wondering if I'm looking at a group of people this morning that is fully determined to accomplish God's will in the land. You see, there was about to be a war break out in Israel. Saul had been king. This man by the name of Saul had been king for years. God had anointed David to be king, and then all of a sudden, the time had come for that transition to take place. How many of y'all know anytime there's a transition, sometimes there's a battle? Anytime there's there's change, sometimes there's a battle. Look at your neighbor and say, sometimes people don't go quietly. (laughs) You see, sometimes the enemy that wages war against you and my family, sometimes that enemy doesn't want to go quietly. Sometimes there's a battle that has to be fought. And see, I don't, know, I don't know if you've caught this yet or not, but I'm speaking in spiritual analogies this morning. I want you to understand that in this text, there's a, there's a physical war that's about to break out, but I want you to understand the spiritual application of it for this house and for your family today. There was a battle about to break out, a transition of power, if you will, from Saul Saul. To David, and for there to be a war that had to be still those who were on the side of Saul. It was God's time, and it was God's will, and it was God's plan for the transition of power. God had released the anointing from Saul and placed it on David. And it was time. But yet, look at your neighbor and say, But yet. But yet, there were still those standing with Saul. I'm afraid that as I look around America, as I look around our nation, as I look around our church, I'm wondering if there's still those of us that are standing in the camp with Saul when we should be standing. In the camp of David there are things that I'm afraid that the church is standing for today that God never intended and anointed and ordained his church to stand for if I can have freedom and liberty in the house this morning there are things and there are there are certain agendas that the church is giving her voice to today. Yeah. And trying to use her weaponry to, in support of today. That God did not bless nor anoint the weapons of our warfare to be in support of. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that if you are standing up from thing, for things that are contrary to this word. And what the word of God says, God has no anointing, and God has no provision, and God has no blessing for those things. And I don't need to get back on hot topics. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all were here for our summer series? Just wave your hand. Who? You're talking about all hell broken, breaking out. You start preaching on hot topics, you better expect spiritual warfare to take place. Come on, somebody. But see what I'm what I'm what, what what am I saying? I see the church at a crossroads today. I see the church trying to choose between two camps. I'm seeing the church trying to choose whether or not it's going to stand in the camp of Saul. Or if it's going to stand in the camp of David and here in our text we see this battle raging and we about to to rage and we can't be found standing with Saul when we are supposed to be standing with David Saul for the church represents jealousy I I ain't getting no help in here Saul for the church represents jealousy selfishness and worldliness Saul was jealous of. See, there was a time where God's hand was on Saul. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And just like anybody, we can open ourselves up to the schemes of the enemy and we can allow jealousy, we can allow pride, we can allow world, hunger for worldly political power. Some type of worldly, I'm gonna tell somebody something. Saul was hungry for political power. David was hungry for the presence of God. I'm wondering if I'm looking at a congregation today that's hungry for political power, or are we hungry for the presence of God? Give him praise. See, we have to make sure we aren't standing in jealousy and longing for worldly things. Instead, we need to be standing for godliness. I don't know about you, but I think it's time we preach holiness again. Saved, sanctified, baptized in the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but if it worked back then, it still works today. Come on, somebody. I had this later in the sermon. This is, this is a little bit that was poured into me, and I'm gonna pour it out just a little bit. See, for too long, we've been giving the people of our churches coping mechanisms when we need to be giving them conquering mechanisms. Yeah. See, God didn't call you just to cope with your sin. God didn't call you just to cope with your bondage. God didn't didn't call you just to cope with your depression. God didn't call you just to cope with your anxiety. God called you to be a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And when David was gathering an army together at Hebron, he distinguished the sons of Issachar from the ranks, from all the other ranks, from all the other army because of their unusual gifts. Somebody say unusual. How many is peculiar people in here today? God called us to be peculiar. That we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going there. He distinguished them from the ranks because of their unusual gift to discern the times. Their understanding made known to the king that the sons of Issachar knew what Israel ought to do. If you could turn me up just a little bit in the house without getting feedback. Their discernment of the times that they were in distinguished them from all the other ranks. And I'm wondering today, is is Forward Church, discerning the times that we're in. You see, there's something very significant happening on the face of the earth today. When Israel is being surrounded at every border, from the north, from the south, from the east, from the when America is engaged in that war, when, when, when there's issues at hand that are not just political issues but, but biblical issues, and the church is not speaking out, How do we expect God to bless this house if we are not discerning the times that we are in and speaking up and speaking out according to what thus says the word of the Lord in relation to the things that we're facing today? See, the gift of discernment is valuable in times of uncertainty. In times of uncertainty the church needs the spiritual gift of discernment. Most people are so oh lord help me. Most people are so preoccupied with their personal daily lives they can't properly discern the times. I had breakfast with a couple of our uh, a couple of friends of ours from North Alabama. They posted this dirty picture of us on Yes, it was bad. It was unexpected. They did not give us a heads up Shout out to Lori and Terry Culpepper if you're watching today. Praise God. I Had a conversation with Terry He said pastor what's going on? He said the world is in chaos. He said the signs of the times he said it's it's right in front of our faces And he said, what's going on? I said, I don't know, but I just see people going about their daily lives as usual. It's just like it was yesterday. What are you you saying? I'm saying that it's a significant spiritual, why did we call one service today? Because God is desiring to do something of spiritual significance in his church. I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the church God is up to something in these last days when we see all the the divine signs I'm talking about divine signs taking place in these last days it's time to get ready it's time to position ourselves it's time to be prepared because if all of that's taking place God's wanting to God's wanting to do something in this house we got to be positioned we got to be ready I also said this look at your neighbor and say this ain't in his notes I wanted to build an atmosphere of faith in this room today. Because what I feel like God is doing in these last days is not just pouring out his glory and not just revival. We hear all of those terms being 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 um, communicated, and and it is that, but it's also that God is desiring to accomplish something individually in every single one of our lives. The prayers that you've been praying and the things that you've been believing for, I'm talking about supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles. God's about to manifest those things in his church, but in order for those things to manifest, we have to have an atmosphere of faith in the house to say, with God, all things are possible. I've got to move on. I've got to move on. Even Jesus was critical of his generation for their inability to discern the times. Luke chapter 12, where you say, Pastor, I need word for that. Here it is. You say, Jesus was critical? Yeah. It's good to have constructive criticism every once in a while. Amen? Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 54, it says this. Then he also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower's coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there's going to be hot weather. And there is. Now that next word, our churches don't like to hear today. (laughs) Because it doesn't sit well. It hurts a little bit. It steps on our toes a little bit. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't to harm you. Let me me be more grammatically correct. It's not to harm you. Because everything that hurts is not to harm. It might hurt, but it's for your good. He said, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? How is it we do not discern the times that we are in? What am I saying? I am saying, church, that it's time. We get spiritual eyes to see, spiritual ears to hear, and that can only be done when we press into the presence of God, get in his word and say, Holy Ghost, show me. Holy Ghost, lead me. Holy Ghost, guide me. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I know the one who does have all the answers. Why did Jesus rebuke them? Mostly because they were so steeped. Somebody say steeped. They were so steeped in their culture and religious tradition that they missed what was right in front of them. They were so steeped in their culture. They were so steeped in their world. They were were so steeped in the things of the world that they missed the spiritual significance of what was happening right in front of their faces. What's that word? Steeped. How many many tea drinkers we got in here? Green tea, loaded teas. That's the that's the that's the signs of the times. Come on now, I'm just. (laughs) It's the process of boiling water and taking that tea bag, and you're steeping it in that water to produce. Tea. And the longer you do that process, the stronger the taste. Y'all don't know where we're going, do you? And I'm wondering, are we more steeped in the culture of the world than we are the culture of the kingdom? Because the longer you're steeped in the culture of the world, the more you taste like the world. That's why people that come off the streets, people that come out of the bars of Saturday night and come into the church house on Sunday morning and, Lord, have mercy, help me right here. And we're so steeped in the culture of the world and they come in here and this, they say, this tastes like what I just come out of. We're trying to manufacture something that the world has already given them. And what I'm saying is that we need to be steeped in the culture of the kingdom that when the world comes in the church house, they don't taste something like they've already tasted. They taste something real. They taste something genuine and pure. Lord have mercy. Something that can get them out of the junk that they're in into the glory of God. I, call, I told you last Sunday That's what being spiritually relevant is all about. And the Messiah they read about in the synagogue all their lives, with them, was with them, and yet they could not see him. They saw him, but they could not see him. They had eyes, but they could not see. Oh God. They could discern natural things with precision and accuracy, but they missed the spiritual shift. Oh, Lord. They missed the spiritual shift. They missed the, the thing that God was desiring to do that was right in front of their noses. Listen, church. What am I saying? I'm saying that there is a spiritual shift. There is a spiritual shift that's taking place in the kingdom. God is bringing things into divine alignment. God is placing his church right where he wants her. God is elevating his bride to a position of authority, not political power, but spiritual awakening in the house. Come on, somebody, those with eyes to see, spiritual awakening. See, we, oh, I, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going somewhere. See, Jesus, when he was ministering three and a half years on the face of this world, God in the flesh, Jesus said, if you've seen me, see, you missed it. If you've, if you've seen me, well, a lot of people saw in him with their physical eyes. But did they see him? And many of you, you're witnessing with your physical eyes. But are you seeing? Are you seeing? Jesus opened up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue. And he said this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I didn't give this to you. That's okay. Don't be scranging for it back there. I, I I gave the tech team a heart attack just now. Come on, somebody. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to recover the sight of the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He read it right in front of them. And the Bible says, This is in Luke chapter 4, if you want to reference this and go back home and read it. In verse 20, it says, In the eyes, somebody say, The eyes the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. They were fixed, meaning their physical eyes. Their physical eyes were fixed on Jesus. See, sometimes you can see something take place, but not be transformed by it. Sometimes you can witness something take place, but not be changed by it. Sometimes you can be right there in the middle of it all and not be changed by it. What are you saying? I'm saying that there are many of you that has come into this house, and I'm gonna make it personal, this house, and you've witnessed the move of God You've seen the moving of the Holy Spirit. You've witnessed, man, miracles, signs and wonders. You've witnessed all of these things. You've heard the testimonies. You've seen the testimonies, but yet, you still stay bound because you've seen it and you've heard it, but you really hadn't seen it. And you really hadn't heard it. God is saying we need spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to discern, to know what we ought to do in this season in this divine season, Paul, let me go, let me go on. I'm not, I'm not ready to go there yet. Verse 22 in Luke chapter four. As a matter of fact, verse 21, let me back up. And, he's, he, and he began to say to them, this was Jesus. He said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, look at your neighbor and say today. Today, it was, it's fulfilled. Meaning what Jesus was saying is that I'm reading this and you're hearing it like you've always heard it. So you think we're getting ready to close. You can, keep, you, can, you can play, I'm not trying to say something about Kayla up here, I'm just trying to say, you think just because she's playing, that means something, that don't mean nothing. <laughs> they seen it and they heard it like they always did. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. I've seen that before. See your attitude, your approach, the way you approach the message, your attitude toward the word will determine how you receive the word. Because this is what they all bore witness to him. Woo, Jesus, preach it, (laughs) preach it, Jesus. They bore witness. That was a good word, Jesus. It was a good word. They marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. They marveled. Marveled. But they said, wait, isn't that Joseph's son? And the Bible says this, that he did very little miracles in that town, the town of Nazareth. And I wanna say because of that, they even conspired to shove him off a cliff. Let not Jesus ever show up in Forward Church and us conspire to push him off of a cliff. Let not the Holy Spirit ever show up among us and us say, wait, you need to get out of here. Paul speaks to that same generation about knowing the times. Remember the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times Jesus rebuked his generation for not discerning the time. And Paul, listen to me, this is the flip side of the coin. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the flip side. Paul admonishes us to know the times. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, said in Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 14, he said, and do this, there it is, what do we do now? Ain't that the question, ain't that the title? Paul says, and do this. Y'all got that scripture back there. I don't know if you, you got it or not. Romans 13, 11 through 14 is one that I gave you. I don't know if you have it or not. There it is. Yeah. He said, and what? Do this. You want to know what we, what we need to do today? What do we do now? What do we do now? Pastor you've moved us from two services to one service, I don't understand this. Because to men who are thinking in in practical terms, it doesn't make sense. But sometimes there is a spiritual shift for a season where you have to align yourself to receive what God is pouring out in the world. Wow, I don't know what just what happened then. Praise God, and do this because Paul assumes something in this text. Because before we can do what we ought to do and do this, comma, knowing the Paul assumes that the church should have discernment of the, now that it is, I almost titled this sermon, it's high time. Look at your neighbor and say, it's high time. I don't know what that means, but I've heard it said my whole life. It's high time. Makes you feel good, don't it? Makes you wanna run a lap, don't it? See, I could get this place cranked up right now if I wanted to. (laughs) But I'm not trying to stir up anything. I'm trying to get somebody to download something into your spirit this morning. Paul said, this is what you ought to do. Now that it's high time, number one, awake out of sleep. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Some of y'all were like physically just asleep then and, and you just woke up. At the conference, one of of the speakers said, I need you to put your hands like a karate chop, like this. And he said, I give you permission to judo chop your neighbor's throat if they try to fall asleep. (laughs) Safety team, where you at? No, I'm just playing. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. I'm going to say it again. We need to wake up. I'm going to say it until somebody gets it in in their spirit. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. Listen, am I saying I have all the answers? No. Am I saying that I really know what that looks like? No. But I am saying this. We have to be spiritually aware. We have to be in tune. You can't. You can't be spiritually asleep and be in tune with the Spirit. You got to be awake, sober-minded. Here's the thing, he goes on, he says, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Boy, I could, I'm trying to land this plane. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. The day is at hand, Lord, mercy. The day is at hand, meaning it's been dark. It's been dark for a long time. Who I'm about to preach. It's been dark for a long time. I came to prophesy over somebody today. It's been dark for. It's been dark for a long time, but the day is at hand. Weeping may last for the night. But joy comes in the morning. I got to go on therefore let us here we go here we go this is what we ought to what do this is what do we do now wake up but then cast off the works of darkness God, I don't need to say that okay cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light enemy loves to play in the dark. And as long as it's in the dark, the enemy just has a field day. He just has a field day. He plays in the dark. Deceptions. Mm. God. So let us walk properly. As in the day, not in... Let me just, God, I can't. See, when you're trying to walk in the dark, you trip all over yourself and everything else. Oh, there's a, you can't see the roadblock. When you're in, when you're, you can't walk properly. Have you ever tried to walk in the dark? I hope this ain't TMI. I'm getting, I'm getting to where I have to get up at night every once in a while not all the time but I have to get up at night every once in a while and man it makes me so mad like I'll I i do not remember that being there I don't and it'll make me want to lose my sanctification come on somebody and that's what it's like spiritually speaking when you're trying to walk properly in the dark well I know what to do Yeah, you might know what to do, but you're trying to do it in the dark. I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. You're doing it in the dark. Quit walking in the dark. Look at your neighbor and say, quit walking in the dark. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revel revelry and drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust not in strife and envy, this is what we ought to do, cast off all these things. Somebody needs to break free in this house today. Verse 14, verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, I feel a little Holy Ghost shake right there when I say that, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Listen to me, I've got to land this. For those who are in Christ, we need to be like the sons of Issachar so that we know what we ought to do in this new environment. It's a new environment. It's a new atmosphere. It's a spiritual shift. This is not the time to look back, but we must discern the times in such a way that we have understanding of the times and know what we ought to do. And when God does a new thing, listen to me, I'm closing. When God does a new thing, long-standing tradition becomes a barrier because our eyes are fixed on what was. And it creates an enemy to what is. And we miss out on what is in what God is doing because we are so fixed on what was. God give somebody clear vision today. During these uncertain times, let us look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher. I'm here to tell somebody what God has began, He will finish. I don't read of a single thing in this Word that God started that he hasn't finished or is going to finish. God is a man of his word. God keeps his promises. If he spoke it over you, it is yes and amen. And the promise of God is greater. Come on somebody, the promise of God over you is greater than any curse that the enemy has tried to pronounce over you. I'm here to tell somebody that if you'll just get spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear, there's a spiritual shift that's taking place. Come on. Come on. No, you ain't got to sit down. You ain't got to sit down. Everybody stand. Oh, Lord. So what do I do now? I just told you. I just told you. Wake up. Cast off the works of darkness. I don't want this to scare anybody. Listen to me. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers, principalities. You might have cut ties with some things in your life and some people in your life. How do I word this, God, so they can receive it? But until you cast it out, yeah, I said it, until you cast it out of your home, until you cast it out of your life, until you cast it out of your marriage, until you cast it out of your finances, until you cast it out of your workplace. Y'all ain't hearing this. Until you cast it out and cast it off. You might've cut ties, but you gotta cast it out. Cast it out. Somebody needs to know that Jesus conquered death hell and the grave. And since Jesus conquered, the Bible says for those who are in Christ Jesus, he calls us more than conquerors. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. To find out more, visit us at forwardchurchonline.com. There you can connect with us, learn more about our ministries, and submit any prayer requests you may have. We hope you join us again soon.